Well, we do this thing at our house. I do this thing at our house, and I, I've labeled it this week the air map. And it, it's just this, um, it usually happens when I want to know if where we are headed will pass by something else, okay? So the conversation goes a little bit like this. I might say, Dave, can we, do we pass by Dewar's Bakery in Camelford when we're on our way home from Coburg Beach? Okay. And, and Dave will stop what he's doing and he will look at me in disbelief, I'm sure. And then he'll proceed to say, Tracy, this is Peterborough. This is Coburg Beach. This is Camelford. Is there anyone else that is so directionally challenged as I am? Well, last week we began a series that we, are, we called True North. And in this series, we're looking at four of the seven I am statements that Jesus made about himself in John's gospel. And these statements show us not just what Jesus does, but who he is. And so as we look at these statements, I hope it will be obvious that when we're lost, Jesus can show us the way. When we are in need of direction, Jesus guides us. When we are far from him, Jesus chases after us. He nourishes us. He gives us life, new life, and he always points us to the Father. Jesus will never lead us in the wrong direction. Last Sunday, we saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, and, we and he announced at that point, I am the resurrection and the life. This week, we're going to look at two other I am statements. But before we do, I want us to go back to the Old Testament and see where these statements get their root. We're first introduced to I am in Exodus chapter 3. You'll remember God meeting Moses at the burning bush. He'd seen the oppression of the people of Israel in Egypt, and he had come near to Moses to offer him the job of leading the people out. And so Moses and God, they, they kind of banter back and forth about why Moses is the one for the job and how, really, there was no way of him getting out of it as much as he probably would have liked that to be the case. And so as part of this exchange, Moses asks this question in Exodus 3, 13. He says, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask you, what is his name? And so Moses says, then what should I tell them? What should be my response? How should I answer them when they ask me, what is his name? And so God replies to Moses and he says, 
I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent you, has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. I am who I am. It's at this moment in history that God shows himself to his people as the one who will redeem them, save them, and lead them to new life. And it's this name, I am, that shows who he is and what he's like. He's eternal. He's unchanging. He is the self-existent one, infinite, glorious God. So come back to John's gospel with me. And when, John, when Jesus applies this same title to himself, I am. He's drawing a line for us from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And he's pointing out that he is indeed God's son, not a helper to God, even more than a great teacher he himself is divine, eternal, pre-existing, infinite, perfect. He is Israel's God. And to help us understand further this connection, one author says this, All the Old Testament and God's redemptive acts were pointing to the coming of Jesus as the God in flesh, the true and better Israel, and the fulfillment of all the Old Testament types and shadows. Jesus, though fully man, was fully God. And there could be no doubt that this same God of the Old Testament who stood in front of Moses and said, I am who I am. This same God had clothed himself with human flesh and drawn near to humanity as we see him in the New Testament. To help us better understand who he is, he describes himself more specifically through these seven I am statements, statements that when we look more closely will unveil more about his character and his purpose. And through him, regardless of how cloudy the way may get or how stormy the days may seem, through him, we will always find our way true north. And so today, we're looking at the third and fourth statement, the gatekeeper and the good shepherd. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can turn to John chapter 10, and we're going to read from 7 to 16, and it'll be on the screen too, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, so he explained it to them. I tell you 
the truth. And here's our third statement coming up here. I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Don't you love that contrast there? The thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. Another translation says abundant life. And so verse 11, here's our fourth I am statement. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money. He doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me, just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too. They're not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. And there will be one flock with one shepherd. There are two I am statements in this passage. We're going to talk mostly about the second one that we mentioned this morning. But first, let's briefly note the first one. Jesus says, I am the gate. It's in serving as the gate that he guards the sheep. In those times, the sheep would be corralled into a naturally fenced off area where the rocks would, would keep the sheep from escaping. The gate, however, would be open. And so when, when the sheep were nicely tucked in, the shepherd would lay as the gate. He would lay as the sheep's first line of defense, protecting them from thieves and whatever would seek to destroy the flock. That alone is a beautiful picture of Jesus, isn't it? The one who protects and saves. Do you need that today? Do you feel defenseless against the things that are coming at you? Do you feel exposed and vulnerable? To you, Jesus says, I am the gatekeeper. I will lay in front of you as a shepherd does in front of the sheep. I will be the one through whom all things will first pass before they get to you. He is our protector. He knows that the thief's purpose is to steal kill and destroy but his purpose his purpose isn't to destroy 
His purpose is to give life, rich and satisfying, abundant life. The idea of abundant life is more than, we, more than just what we might think as having our wants supplied, you know? It's finding our contentment and our satisfaction in him. It is a contented life based on the fact that God is able to supply all our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Abundant life isn't necessarily an especially long life. Abundant life isn't necessarily an easy or comfortable life. But abundant life is a life of satisfaction and contentment in Jesus. And when we, the sheep, are satisfied by the care of our shepherd, make no mistake about it, it is a testimony of the shepherd's care for his sheep. He is the gatekeeper, but he's also the good shepherd. To fully appreciate and understand Jesus as the the gatekeeper and the good shepherd, we should understand why sheep need a shepherd. After all, in scripture, this is often what we're compared to. We're referred to as sheep in need of a shepherd. And so here are a couple of things that you may or may not know about sheep. First of all, sheep are not too bright. Okay? If one sheep walks off a cliff, the rest will follow. Which leads me to another point. Sheep are followers, not leaders. I read a story about sheep, some sheep in eastern Turkey a few years back. The shepherds had had taken a break to eat their breakfast, and while they were enjoying their breakfast, one sheep walked off a cliff and 400 others followed. All of them died. Sheep need a shepherd because they're not too bright. They need someone to lead them. Sheep have no sense of direction. That's another reason why sheep need a shepherd. They've no sense of direction. I need a personal shepherd. Sheep are prone to wander away and they get lost easily. They need a shepherd because they need someone to guide them. Another thing about sheep is that they are defenseless. Without a shepherd to protect them, they can be easy prey for other animals. They don't, they don't have a good defense mechanism built in like other animals do. What are they going to do? Bat their eyelashes and say, I'll, I'll give you a nice sweater. We can see some resemblance, can't we? The fact is, as sheep, we, we need a shepherd to help us find our way. And Jesus, he is the good shepherd who will help us find true north. In fact, the only one who can do it. He's the only one. 
Without him, we wander. Without him, we are vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. Without him, we're defenseless. And Jesus, in his tender mercy, he knows this. So he steps in to fill the void that we can't, and he becomes for us what we cannot be for ourselves. And so here's how he does that as the good shepherd. First of all, the good shepherd is present. He never leaves. From John, we see that the good shepherd will put his life on the line before he will abandon the flock. He will not abandon. And that's the difference between the hired hand and the shepherd. The hired hand has no investment in the flock. He doesn't care if they live or if they die. He just wants to get paid and move on. If there's a risk, he'll calculate it and see if it's worth it. But not Jesus. To Jesus, you are always, always, always worth it. To Jesus, there is no risk too great. There will never be a moment when he'll stop and calculate whether or not it is worth it. You are always worth it. Jesus has buy-in. He's invested in the flock so much so that he's given it all, laying down his life for you and for me. The good shepherd never leaves. He's always, always present. The good shepherd knows his sheep. Verse 14, it says, I know my own sheep and they know me. He knows us completely. You think something is hidden? It's not. Listen to these words from Psalm 139. He said, it says, You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every single day. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Think about that. Tell me that you can't hear the intimate connection that God has with us. The good shepherd knows his sheep. Jesus is reminding us that there is nothing hidden from the good shepherd. Knowing his sheep means that he is as acquainted with us through the darkest valleys as he is on the mountaintops. He knows what worries us. He knows what we're afraid of. He knows what keeps us up at night. He knows when you're hurting. He knows when your heart broken. He knows when you're angry, when we're afraid of the future. And even if you doubt that this morning, 
Even if that is not your reality, even if you have allowed yourself to rationalize away from the truth of the things I just said, it doesn't change who he is. It doesn't. Because who he is is not based on what we feel. All of this means that Jesus is an expert on you. He's an expert. You know, my son used to be an expert in dinosaurs when he was little. We knew everything about dinosaurs. We knew the ones with the little hands like this and the, and the bigger ones and the, and the ones that would eat only plants and the ones that would eat only meat. We knew everything about them. We spent hours reading about them, going to museums, talking about them, playing with the little figurines. We knew them all. And one day he was in a, a Sunday school class and the teacher asked a question about a dinosaur and his friend pipes up and says, well, you've got to ask Sam. He's a dinosaur expert. Jesus is an expert in you. He is a Tracy expert. He is a Brian and Colleen expert. An Anne expert. He is an expert in you. He knows you. And scripture tells us that he even understands our thoughts before we think them. Aren't you glad to hear that? Or not? I don't know. I don't understand my thoughts when I think them sometimes. But this also means that if there was anyone who could guide you, anyone who could protect you, anyone who could provide for you, it's Jesus. That's the kind of shepherd Jesus is. He will never pull us in the wrong direction, but will instead lead us right. The good shepherd is present. The good shepherd knows his sheep. And the good shepherd guides. Psalm 23 gives us more insight into the good shepherd as the one who guides his sheep. When we understand how directionally challenged sheep are, we understand just how much they need a sheep to guide them. Psalm 23 verse 3 says, He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. The word paths in Hebrew is the same word used to describe someone walking around in circles. And when a shepherd is bringing their sheep down from a mountain... They just can't go in a straight line because, as you can imagine, there would be a lot of tumbling sheep, right? So they have to be led in circles around the mountain to safely reach the bottom. And if you were to stand in the hills in Israel, you would notice that over the years, the sheep had worn paths in circles around these hills. And this is what the Bible is referring to as paths of righteousness. With so many paths to choose from, it could be hard to know the right path 
to get you safely to your destination. And that's what the shepherd does. He guides them on the right path to lead them safely down. And that is exactly why we need a good shepherd to guide us to nourishment, to guide us to rest, to guide us on right paths. The good shepherd compensates for the deficits of the sheep, but not as a business transaction. As one who loves and cares deeply for the flock, for you and for me, I am the good shepherd. I am the one who will never leave you. I am the one who knows you. I am the one who guides There's another thing the good shepherd does. He goes after the wandering sheep. We're told that when a sheep would wander away, a shepherd would go after them. He would wound his legs. And I know that sounds harsh, but stay with me. He would then take the sheep and he would put it around his neck and bring him back to the fold. You have the picture in your mind's eye right now. I know it because we've seen it many, many times. You see, wandering away was dangerous. Wandering away could get the sheep killed. And the shepherd wanted to do everything that they could to protect the sheep because that one sheep mattered. It mattered. And over the weeks, as the sheep healed, the shepherd would continue to carry him around his neck. He would care for him and until he was healthy and strong. And in that time of healing, a special bond would form between the shepherd and the sheep. I'm going to ask Brian to come back. Jesus isn't coming after you to break your legs, okay? But he does lovingly pursue you. Psalm 23, 6 says that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And that phrase, shall follow me, means to chase, to pursue, to run after. And that's exactly what he's doing to you and to me. If you feel like you're losing your way today, or maybe you've never had a relationship with God, or maybe you have been in relationship with him, but you've strayed away. You can be sure of this. The good shepherd has not lost sight of you. You've not gotten lost in the shuffle. He sees you. And he loves you. And he desires to be in relationship with you.
He sees the tears that you cry in private. He knows. If you're lonely today, he's reminding you you're not alone. If you're hurting today, he wants you to know he can care for you. If you're broken today, he wants to comfort you. It's not just what he does. It's who he is. It's who he is. He says, I am the good shepherd. I love you. And I know you. The same God who spoke to Moses through a burning bush, who clothed himself in humanity so that he could lay down his life for you. He is present today. He is in this place. And he is longing to be in relationship with you. Will you let him in today? We haven't done this since COVID. But I've been thinking this week that if you want us to pray for you today, we want to pray for you. So come forward. We'll keep our distance. We'll wear our masks. But we don't want to let COVID get in the way of praying and ministering to you this morning. If you're hurting today, hear what the Lord is saying to you. He loves you. He's here for you. And he sees you. So, Father, I pray right now, in this moment, you will give us courage and strength if we need to just reach out to somebody to help us bear the burden we're bearing today. I pray today that you will you'll meet us in our brokenness. I know you want to. I know you do. It's who you are. It's not just what you do. So as the good shepherd, meet us here today, I pray. In Jesus' name.